0: All right, tonight, turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It's going to be our starting spot. This is the very first epistle Paul wrote. Of all of Paul's epistles, this is number 1, 1 Thessalonians. very simple verse, just a few words, it's only nine words long, I think anybody could probably memorize it before you walked out tonight, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, that's a pretty good policy for a Christian, isn't it, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, gift of discernment, we all are supposed to have it, that's one of those universal gifts, all Christians are supposed to have is the gift of discernment. You ever talked with someone or done something and all of a sudden something don't sound quite right and little bells and whistles are going off in your head? Yeah, that's that gift of discernment the Holy Spirit gives to all of us believers. Prove all things. Hold fast. Hold fast to that which is good. Now, like the guy who uh, lost his wife, he uh, she ran off with his best friend and he asked him how he felt about it and he said i sure do miss him <laughs> hold fast to that which is good eh, Aved. i love this verse and uh, it teaches us a powerful little lesson and uh, we're going to take a look at that tonight first let's talk about the word good good you remember when uh, Someone came to Jesus uh, and the rich guy and he said uh, good master and Jesus kind of scolded him and said why call his me good? There's none good save one and that is God. And why, why in the world would Jesus say that? Because Jesus went about doing what? Yeah. So why would he object to that? He had just objected where it was coming from. It wasn't the truth of the statement. It was the source of the statement. Coming from a guy who actually thought he was Jesus' peer. Jesus' co-equal. He actually thought he was superior to everybody. So Jesus had to kind of take him down a few notches. And so that was the start of it in his conversation. But the word good in the Bible, it actually appears in, from Old Testament, Genesis to Revelation, 793 times. 569 of those are in the Old Testament, and the balance, the other 224, are in the New Testament. Now, they're the translation of 29 different Hebrew words are translated good. Most of the time, though, it's like one Hebrew word translated good. There's one Hebrew word that's translated good more often than all the others. Same is true in the New Testament. There's 18 different words of that 224 that are translated into the English word good. But again, a lot of those are just single-use, single-use translations. There are two words that are the most frequently used to translate good. In the Hebrew, it is this word, it's toad. Tob is the Hebrew word that is most often translated good. It just means something that's of quality or something that you like or something that rises in your estimation to a level of enjoyment. And then the Greek word that is used most often is kalos. Kalos is the word of the 224. Probably over 200 of them are translation of that word kalos. And it just means good like we think of good, you know, if something's good. And so how do you define good? What is good to you? What's good to you may not be good to somebody else. You notice that? So let's talk about that. How do you define good? Let's do a little game. We're gonna do a little test, okay? Let's find out how you define good, okay? We're gonna start here. Would you classify that as good or not good? Wow, so you guys are pretty good right off the bat. You're batting 100% already. All right, how about this one? Good or not good? oh okay all right okay all right how about this one good or not good not good you you don't like to step in that and feel it come right up between your toes mm. okay all right not good all right how about this one good or not good yeah yeah it's good except brother tom got brain freeze the other night a little fast so yeah sometimes that could be not good depending on it amen all right now is this good or not good okay you would you would your judgment now that flower garden is good okay and how about this one gonna step on a nail good or not good now I was over helping my brother once clean out a barn he rented a place in North Cedar Iowa so we were you know scooping poo and everything else and cleaning out stacking boards and we threw a whole bunch of boards out in a pile and then we found this great big Iowa rat now I'm going to tell you Iowa rats are big okay especially them big old barn rats just his body just not counting the tail just the body was 13 inches long I mean that's huge and then they add his tail. And we chased him all over the place. And we were getting close. We almost got him and he went out the door. And I jumped out the door to cut him off and get him. And I was coming down and there was a board with about a four-inch nail sticking up just like that. You ever see them cartoons where you wish you could just kind of stop midair? It don't work that way. And I went down and he went through the bottom of my shoe and through the top of my shoe. And came out the top. So all it got me was a scolding and a tetanus shot and so not good okay let's classify that one as not good I feel the pain just looking at it all right let's keep going is this one good or not good oh you know if they're cooked just right okay not good all right good or not good all right that's good yeah that's right I heard that all right how about this one good or not good You look down see a quarter laying on the ground is that good or not good our daughter Tammy used to be able to find money I mean she had like radar I mean she could be walking down the street and see a quarter three blocks away (laughs) she was like the six million dollar man with that eye you know and the other two used to get jealous how come she finds all the money Karen and I literally had to distract the other two and throw money on the ground and then turn around and say, oh, look, look. So that the other two would say, ha-ha, see, we found money too. But it didn't come natural to them. It did to Tammy, okay. So, all right, we'll classify that one as good. All right, now, how about this one? Good or not good? That's iced tea, by the way. Okay, just so you know. Okay, all right, okay. All right, so we'll say that's, that's good, all right. And good or not good? Yeah, all right, all right. Nice little snake classified, not good. All right, how about the nice inside of a brand new automobile? Good or not good? Oh, there's just nothing quite like it, is there? That's definitely good. Now, I want to show you some things that can change. They can be good and then be not good. I'll show you what I'm talking about. Would you classify those beautiful flip-flops, which we were talking tonight will melt on asphalt when it's really hot? Okay, so are those good or not good? all right yeah they're good you might not want to work around steel with them okay but they're good but how about now yeah okay see see how they changed see how they were good and then they're not good okay and let's talk about this one now okay so getting a nice long needle in the arm good or not good I can remember we needed a shot for some reason, and my brother Dave, all the way to the doctor's office, was telling me the needle is four inches long. The doctor, when he sticks it in, sometimes they stick it clear through your arm by accident. Oh, man, he was doing everything he could to scare me, but when it came time to get the shot, I just stepped up and said, yeah, whatever, go ahead. But he, they had to back him into a corner to get him in. I had the laughs on that one, okay. All right, we'll call that not good. Well, how about now? Yeah, yeah. See, it depends on the situation. It can be good, okay? It can be very good. Okay, how about this? Would you say that's good or not good? We'd say, nah, that's, that's not good. In an ideal world, wouldn't that be not good? Yeah, but how about now? If you have to defend your family, huh? Yeah, okay. All right. So see how it changes? These things can change. Let's look at this one. How would you classify that scene? Good or not good? All right, standing on a beach is very good. How about now? In a tsunami, would you want to stand on that beach during the tsunami? Do you know in Hilo when a tsunami hit in 1960, it had pulled all, because just before a big wave hits, it pulls all the water off the reef. Fish were out flopping on the sand, big ones. People were running out onto the sand to pick up the fish, not realizing that a 60-foot wave was just about to come down on their heads. And uh, there was a lot of people lost their lives that day. Okay, that's definitely not good for that one. All right, a beautiful Aloha shirt, especially if Ralph is wearing it. It looks really good, Amen wouldn't you classify that as good yeah but what if you were going to a formal affair how would you classify it now a little out of place amen okay so now you'd have to say not good how about this one is it good or not good oh that that one is good maybe not now though huh (laughs) okay all right now good not good now I want to show you ones that can actually be classified both you know there are a lot of people in the world, we would classify that as, there were a lot of people in the world that would classify that as good. I'm serious. They thought it was the greatest thing since sliced bread. Now, we know after the fact it's not. Amen? But yet there are people that classify both sides of it. One said good, one said not good. How about this? The United Nations, what would you classify that? Now, some think it's good, some don't think it's so good. Same thing would be true of this terrible fruit. This is the fruit that caused the fall in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> I can remember Karen and I went out to California for the first time. I was doing some deputation, some preaching back there in 1979. We got out there and, and uh, I remember uh, ordering a sandwich California style. Don't ever do that unless you like avocado because that's what California style means. Alright, no, I, I classify that as definitely not good. Okay, how about this? Television. Do you classify that as good? Listen, I can tell you a lot of people that don't. They classify TV as not good. And truth is, most of what's on it is in that category right there. Okay, well, how about this one then? A beautiful juicy grilled steak. Is that good? Or not you know vegetarians don't think so. Huh? Uh, but me oh yeah oh yeah that's still good all right how about this one yeah well we would classify that but you know there's a lot of people that don't classify the Bible as good they actually hate it and there's more haters of it are becoming greater and greater in number in this country and it's getting scarier and scarier so listen you you've been making judgment calls okay for all this stuff you've been saying good not good good not good okay Declaring something or anything good or not good is an exercise in personal judgment. You made a judgment call. You decided whether something is good or not good. Most such judgments actually bear no eternal consequences. Whether I'm going to wear a red shirt or a blue shirt, who cares? God don't care. Is it good or not good? Okay. Again, most of these judgment calls bear no eternal consequences, yet it behooves us, each of us to keep one thing in mind someone is listening every time you make a judgment call every time you say something is good or not good you have set a standard in your life okay and someone is listening the bible says that god is listening when we make judgment calls now this is not a scary thing. I mean, I mean, this, this. We know we're saved. We're it's not scary, and we're going to hell. But I'm gonna tell you what. When it comes time for Christian judgment and the bema seat, I believe the Lord Jesus Christ is gonna bring up a lot of times our judgments. Okay, I mean, think about these guys. Okay, we're gonna take just a look at these. What about Judah? What about Judah? Do you remember when he was coming in from the fields and he saw this gorgeous? Canaanite woman sitting there and she was fluttering her eyes at him and had herself all veiled up and disguised and, and Judas said well hubba hubbing I'm thinking what in the world are you hubba hubbing anything about anyway but he did and so he thought he was sleeping with a prostitute he didn't know it was his daughter-in-law and so then he finds out later his daughter-in-law is pregnant and he's angry. He's furious. How dare you? I am going to have you burned. I'm going to have you killed. You sorry thing. And then she hands him his, his seal and his staff and says, I am pregnant by the man who owns these. How about now? How about that judgment call now? She's horrible. She's worthy of death. You see, the same thing happened to David. David. He's sitting on his throne and Nathan comes in and he tells him a little story about a guy who comes to town and takes the only sheep a family has and butchers it so he can feed his guests, even though he's got thousands of sheep. David's furious. He comes off that throne. He's ready to kill somebody. How dare him. They have shown no mercy. They will be put to death. And Nathan has to tell him, you are the man. That's you I'm talking about. You are the man. How about now? How's that judgment call coming now, David? He sits back in on his throne, and I'll bet you he was very quiet. What do you think? How about Joab? I mean, Joab, he killed at least three men more righteous than he. And one of them, he killed Abner. Abner actually did nothing wrong. He slew Joab's younger brother, but it was in fair combat. And he tried to tell Joab's younger brother, you're no match for me. Just leave me alone and go away. But his brother wouldn't stop. His brother kept after him. So Abner, being the better swordsman, better gladiator, killed Joab's younger brother. Joab was furious. So Abner, knowing this, ran away to the city of refuge at Hebron to be safe. Now the way casement gates are built is they're very large. There's the wall and then there's a casemate gate. And as Joab was talking with Abner about it, yeah, I know, I understand, my brother's a little hothead. He kind of deserved it while he was doing that. Joab's just walking like this and Abner's following him. And you see, the rule was if you're outside the wall, even if you're inside the gate, if you're outside the city wall, you're fair game. And Joab unrighteously walked Abner. Abner outside, got him outside the wall and killed a righteous man in vengeance for his brother. And then when he was hanging on the horns of the altar at the end of his life, he was crying and saying, you can't kill me. I'm hanging on the horns of the altar. And Solomon said, then let him die hanging on the horns of the altar. A man that's tomped on the wall his whole life doesn't get to allow it to protect him. And then there's the unrighteous guy. I mean, he, he goes into his master and his master says, you owe me money, pay me money. Jesus told me this parable. And he says, please forgive me. Please uh, just give me a little more time and I'll take care of it. And he had compassion on him. And he said, I forgive you that debt. And then he went out and he found somebody that owed very little bit of money to him. And he grabbed him by the throat and he choked him. And he said, you're the one that caused my embarrassment. If you'd pay your bills. I could pay my bills and he was vicious and mean and delivered the guy that owed him money to the prison but word got back to the king how's that judgment call feeling now because then the king called him back in and said when I showed you mercy you should have shown mercy to others but you didn't now I'm delivering you to the prison and you're going to stay there until you paid every bit of it judgment calls we got to be careful because somebody's listening when we make these judgment calls Jesus, let's look up these two verses. Go to Matthew chapter 7, verse 2. Let me have a reader for Matthew 7, 2. Anybody, nice and loud. Ty, I'm going to volunteer you. Matthew 7, 2. Okay? The standard's out of your mouth. That's how you're going to be judged. Now, let's talk about this one. Go to chapter 12, verse 37. Let me have a reader for that one. Who will read that one? Matthew chapter 12. Just jump up a few pages. And verse number 37. Who's my reader? Okay? How can that be any plainer? That's, if you have a red letter edition; those are red. That's the words of Jesus. Out of your own mouth you're going to be justified or out of your own mouth you're going to be condemned. So it's very important we understand what does it mean to make a judgment call. Now what was that starting verse tonight? 1 Thessalonians 5.21 Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Let me show you some good things tonight we should hold fast. Hang on to the good things. I'm going to tell you, you need to really hang on to the good things. Here's some good things in the Bible we need to learn to hang on to. Number one, Matthew chapter 3 and verse number 10. Matthew 3, 10. I'll read these now. I don't need volunteer readers. Let me just read these. Matthew chapter number 3 and verse number 10. You need to hold on to good fruit, okay? Hold on to good fruit. And now also, John the Baptist is speaking, the axe is laid under the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth, what? good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire hold on to good fruit hold on to good fruit i mean you do this if you pick fruit if your mom like mine did many times would tell me to go out and get something off a tree of pears or apples from our fruit trees you're not going to pick the rotten ones because mom's going to send you right out back there to get good ones she wants good fruit Well, so does the Lord. The Lord wants good fruit. So we need to remember that. What does it mean? What is good fruit? Well, this is what good fruit actually means to the Lord Jesus. It's inner character. It's winning others to Christ. It's praising God in our hearts. The first thoughts of your mind in the morning should be the Lord. I don't care if it's a praise the Lord, I'm alive. Amen? Amen? Look in the obituaries. My name's not there. It's going to be a good day. Amen? Well, that's exactly what good fruit is. That's what the Lord's telling you. And guess what we should do? Hold fast that which is good. Here's another one. Here's another one. What is this one? Good comfort. Go to Luke chapter number eight. Good comfort. Luke chapter eight, verse 48. Simple verse. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of what? Good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. Wow, those are neat words from the Lord, ain't it? Those are wonderful words from the Lord. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Be of good comfort. When the Lord comforts you, it means a lot. This is what good comfort means. It means to feel at ease. To feel comforted. There's a lot of people sleeping scared in Chicago tonight. You know that? There's a lot of people sleeping scared in L.A., sleeping scared in a lot of places. I, I think that there's a lot of people sleeping scared in Springfield. But be of good comfort. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, I will lay me down in peace and sleep for the Lord, for the Lord thy God is my, my protector. God wants us to have perfect peace. We are to be of good comfort not like the guy that you know the chaplain and chaplain's assistant they had to go to tell a woman that uh, her husband had been killed in combat and so they knocked on the door and she came to the door and said is this the home of widow Smith and she said I'm Mrs. Smith but I'm not a widow and he said that's what you think (laughs) that's not being a good comfort amen that's somebody that needs a few lessons in language Be of good comfort learn to be of good comfort so hold fast that which is good good fruit good comfort here's another one here's another one making a decision to choose the good part Luke chapter 10 these are chronological we're just going to keep going to the right in our Bible Luke chapter number 10 look at verse number 42 the Lord Jesus Christ is in Bethany and he's eating at the house of Lazarus Mary and and uh, Martha and Martha's worried that all the napkins are laid out exactly right and all the silverware is laid in proper order and she is hustling, making sure the floors are cleanly swept and all the rugs are smooth. And Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus listening to the sermon he's about to teach and this is really bothering Martha. And he goes to, she goes to Jesus and says, Tell her to get up and help me. And this is what Jesus says. Look at verse number 42. Jesus says to Martha, "But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that what good part, which shall not be taken from her." You think Jesus cared whether the napkins were straight? Seriously, you think Jesus cared if the rug had some wrinkles in it, or if there was some dust or a cobweb in the corner? He's the creator of the universe. I don't think a whole lot's going to disturb him. Amen but how long are you going to have the son of god as your teacher let's not worry about the cobwebs let's not worry about the little stuff let's choose the good part what does it mean to choose the good part it makes to make it means to make an intentional choice to choose god's word over worldly cares now i realize we got to work and when when you do be there i mean i used to tell our my my men in the army you know when you're here be here Because if you're not here and you're not focused and you're not concentrating, you're going to get somebody killed. You've got to be there in the moment. But there are those times that we need to be able to come apart and choose the good part to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. When we're here in church, don't worry about your roast that you have in the oven. Or in our case, the rice that's on top of the stove. Okay? Be here and celebrate with the Lord Jesus Christ. The next one, the next one I want you to see. Be good fruit, good comfort, good part. This one is good cheer. Look at John 16, 33. Jump up to the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse number 33. Good cheer. These things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of what? Good cheer. I have overcome the world. Hold fast that which is good. What is good cheer? It means to wear a smile when everyone around you calls for a frown. To be calm. And it's hard. It's hard. But if you can keep your head while everyone around you is panicking, you're going to be seen as a great leader. And that doesn't mean being indifferent or not caring. But you have to be calm about it. Be of good cheer. Here's the next one. Turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. Chapter 15. These are called good manners. 1 Corinthians 15. Look at verse number 33. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt what? Good manners. Good manners. You know all the definition of good manners is? Is caring how other people are treated around you. That's all it is. It's behaving in such a way that others are at ease in your presence. Everybody has the capacity of making somebody happy. Some when they're coming toward you and some when they're going away. Amen? But you have the capacity of making somebody happy. Have good manners. Okay? That's not hard. I noticed pastor, you know, when when a lady comes up on the platform, he always stands up. You know what that's called? That's good manners. That's just showing respect. That's a good thing. We need to teach them to our kids so that they learn them. Our kids knew, you don't just get up to the table and start wolfing food down. A little boy ate next door with the neighbors one time and they just started the food, put the food on the table and just started gulping it down. And he asked him, he says, don't you don't you pray and say grace? He said, no, we don't. We don't believe in that here. He says, yeah, you're like my dog Rex. He don't either. He don't pray either. He just wolfs it down. We need to have manners, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yes, ma'am. I remember one time in the Army, in boot camp, I was being inspected by a female lieutenant. She stepped in front of me, looked me up and down. She asked me a question, and I said, yes, sir. And then she got furious do i look like a man to you do i look like a sir i wanted to say well you are kind of homely you know, <laughs> but i do better so i kept my mouth shut i just said no ma'am no ma'am and so she made me say yes ma'am yes ma'am yes ma'am like 20 times and, never mind we won't go there okay all right there good good fruit good comfort good part The good good cheer, good manners. The next one is this one. Good report. Look at Philippians chapter number 4. Philippians chapter 4. Look at verse number 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure whatsoever things are lovely whatsoever things are of what good report if there be any virtue if there be any praise think on these things i remember in iowa iowa of all places northern iowa northeastern iowa my kindergarten teacher's name was miss kishimoto And then she got married at the Christmas break and so she left as Miss Kishimoto and she came back as Mrs. Onamura. But uh, she was tough and I could still, I was digging through my mom's trunk after my mom passed away. She kept all my report cards, all of them. They needed to be burned, okay? At least the older ones. But I looked at my kindergarten report card from Miss Kishimoto and she said, this is what she wrote, she said, Stevie is a very intelligent boy, but he has one flaw. He talks too much. <laughs> I can remember getting scolded one time by her and her, to her all. She didn't even have to raise her voice. And she, told, and she put me in the corner. Put your desk in the corner. Man, they don't do that these days. I mean, my desk, when they, go, when they got to go out to recess, I didn't get to go out to recess. This was horrible. There's got to be something in the Geneva Convention against this. And so I was so sad and I remember she was talking to me and I was crying. I was holding my hands like this and I was crying. And I remember pulling my hands away and funny things you remember, you know, as a little kid. Pulled my hands away and my hand was filled with snot. I mean, my cup raneth over. Big old strings coming down. Oh, Lord report cards what does it mean to be a good report it means living in such a way as to keep a godly reputation that's what it is to have a good report to have a good report what does if someone was writing a report card what would they say what would they think when they when the parkersburg high school was destroyed just a few years back in uh, with a category five tornado up in iowa and they built a new one karen and i stopped by i wanted to see the new high school and so we went in there and the principal treated us like VIPs, gave us a tour, walked us through the whole thing, basement, weight room, we got to see everything. And then as we got back at the office, the principal said, now, Mr. Weigel, I, I tell you this, if you're here to get your records, he said, I'm real sorry, the tornado destroyed the office and most of the records with it. And I said, you know, if you knew me when I was a senior in high school, That's not a bad thing that the records have been destroyed. That's a good thing. Listen, we need to be of good report. What's the next one? Well, the next one is good works. Good works. Go to Colossians. Just turn a couple more pages. Colossians chapter number 1. Look at verse number 10. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every what? Good work. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good and increasing in the knowledge of God. To have good works is simply personal things that are done to the benefit of the kingdom of Christ. Not a cup of cold water will be given, Jesus said, in my name, but what I will reward you for it. There is no work too small, Jesus is saying, when it's done in the name of the Lord. No work too small so remember that when you do good works for the lord jesus christ you ever notice when men are working they always put up a sign a woman once said yeah when men work they have to put up a sign women work all the time but men have to put a sign up, okay saying we are working here okay what's the next one the next one is good conscience go to first timothy chapter one a few more pages to the right first timothy chapter number one having a good conscience toward god first timothy Chapter 1, look at verse number 5. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a what? Good conscience and faith unfeigned. What does he mean by having a good conscience? He means living without guilt because you have nothing to hide. When Nathanael was brought to the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus, this was Jesus' testament of him. Here is an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile. You know what Jesus meant by that? This guy has nothing to hide. What you see is what you get. He's as honest as the day is long. And so living without guilt, because there's nothing to hide, man, that's, that's a wonderful thing. I, I, I think this, I know this, every person in this room probably, I say probably, I'm giving a benefit of the doubt, but I could almost say every person in this room has a closet in their life okay, and only you have the lock and key, and there's probably stuff in there you just as soon keep in there, I mean, you ever, you ever hear this uh, thing when you get married, you're supposed to tell your spouse everything about your life, don't do it, <laughs> just, just say it, just say it, okay, listen, let's just bury the old monster out in the graveyard and leave him there, amen, okay, behold, all things are become new, okay, Here's the next one, here's the next one. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. Just one page, chapter 4 and verse number 6. Now we come to good doctrine. Look at chapter 4, verse 6. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of what? Good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained all that all good doctrine means is teaching that helps to improve the clarity of god's word so that you understand and are brought closer to god let me tell you there's a movement on today and it is nationwide and it is crossing all kinds of barriers there is a war on sound doctrine today I can still remember seeing this one religious magazine and there was a dumpster outside the church door and it said, deposit all controversial doctrines here before entering. Well, maybe for you all, but not for me. Okay? I don't know, I just, I have a hard time, the book of of Amos says, can two walk together except they be agreed? I have a hard time walking through a minefield and fellowshipping at the same time. Okay? Okay? But there is a, tr- all traditional boundaries are being erased in this world. Anybody that's watching the news knows it. You know it. They're erasing national boundaries. They want the whole world to be one. They're erasing traditional boundaries. They're erasing gender, financial boundaries, doctrinal boundaries, denominational boundaries. They're trying to erase them all. Very dangerous thing to do. You want to know what the greatest doctrine is and the one upon which, a hill upon which to die? The greatest need is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And for this one, I'll pay the ultimate price before I'll deny it. The difference between a preference and a conviction is are you willing to die for it? If you're not willing to die for it, it's just a preference. If you're willing to die for it, It's a conviction. And on this, the world's greatest need is the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ. We should stand there, and just like Martin Luther once said, here I stand, I can do no other. Do your worst. What's the next one? Good profession. Look at 1 Timothy chapter number 6. Look at verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Okay, lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a what? A good profession before many witnesses. Make a good profession. That means to testify. That means never being afraid to speak out for the Lord, no matter where you are. You don't have to say a lot. Sometimes you don't have to say a lot at all, just a little bit. And you can speak up. Karen went to a state university. She has a computer science degree from the University of Hawaii. But there were many times in her class where she could say something. And immediately everybody in class knew Karen's a Christian. All you got to do is just say a little bit for the Lord. And they know. They know where you stand. Have a good profession before the Lord. Mrs. Barlow's blessing was she was destitute. She had reached a place where she had no more money for groceries. She didn't know what she was going to do. She lived next door to an atheist. He was an ugly atheist, always mean to her, always doing everything he could to make her life miserable. And one day she was sitting out on her front porch swing and she was praying out loud to God. Probably didn't even know she was praying out loud, but she's just saying, Lord, I have no money for groceries. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know that my next meal comes from you. I just ask you, please take care of me well the atheist next door overheard this prayer so he went out to the grocery store and he bought a bunch of groceries and then he set them in front of her door knocked on her door and he ran Kid over by the bushes she opened the door and there were bags of groceries she couldn't believe it she just said thank you jesus i thank you so much for taking care of me and when he heard her say that he jumped up from behind the, the bushes and said aha God didn't give you those groceries. I gave you those groceries. I'm the one that provided for you, not God. And she said, dear Lord, thank you for providing me groceries, and you even made the devil pay for them. (laughs) Amen. A good profession. And then Paul says in the book of 2 Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter uh, chapter number 4, look what he says now in verse number 6. Or, or rather, verse 7. He says, I have fought a what? A good fight. He said it also back there. But he said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the fight. faith. We need to fight a good fight for the Lord. We need. To, what does that mean? It means living each day with the determination to deten- defend the truth. No matter what it takes. Defend the truth. Stand up for what's right. Stand up for truth. It doesn't mean you don't love people. You can love everybody in the whole world, but you just draw a line and say loving everyone in the world does not mean accepting everything in the world. This is what's right, and the line is drawn right here. This is how we raise our children. Same way, we are to fight a good fight. The last one I want you to see is fighting. Is is this next one? Go to First Peter chapter four and verse ten. First Peter chapter four, verse number ten. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 10 says this, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as what? Good stewards of the manifold grace of God. What does it mean to be a good steward? It simply means this. It's to value, to protect, and defend something that's been entrusted to you. If God entrusted you with children, take care of them. They're your greatest ministry of all. If God has entrusted you with high responsibility in whatever position you are, carry it out with honor and dignity and integrity. Be good stewards of what God has given you. Serve and do things as if you had to sign your signature to them, like an artist on a painting. That's what it means to be a good steward. A father one day, too busy for his kids, constantly too busy for his kids. Finally, his little son came up to him while he was sitting at his desk at home. And his little son had a handful of coins and his, he, his boy walked up to him and says, "'Dad, how much do you make an hour?' And his dad said, "'I don't know. "'Why do you wanna know? "'I, I just wanna know how much do you make per hour?' And the dad said, "'I, I don't know. "'Son, what, what, what do you wanna know for?' And the boy held out the coins and he said, how much of your time will this buy me? Wow. Listen, we're to be good stewards of what God's given us, amen? I don't know how, even with Karen and I, and we're not perfect parents, there's no rule book for this except the word of God. I just know this, that we got three kids now that love the Lord, attend their churches, teach Sunday school classes, tithe of their, uh, of their, of their income. I mean, they just serve the Lord. And I just go, man, I've met some that, I, that weren't that way. A great missionary I visited one time in Colorado Springs. The son of a great missionary. If I name the missionary, you'd know him. And his son opened the door and saw me and cursed me with some of the filthiest curses and told me to get off his doorstep and don't ever come back to my house. Somebody needs to be a good steward. Be a good steward to the children God's given you. Be a good steward to anything God's given you. If he's called upon you to teach a Sunday school class, do it the best. Why not the best? If he's given you a car, take care of it. If he's given you a home, take care of it. Every, Karen and I have had to rent houses our whole life except this thing we bought here in Springfield years ago. But every home that we've ever rented, we've always left it better than we found it. Amen. You know, that's the way that should be. That's the way it is. That's what it means to be a good steward. To be a good steward. So here are the good things. Hold, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Good fruit, good comfort. The good part. Good cheer, good manners. A good report, good works, good conscience, good doctrine, a good profession, a good fight, a good steward. Those are all the good things. Hold fast that which is good.